You're listening to Process with Broads and D-Ray. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to episode 11 of Processed. And normally we have some fun here, and I think we're going to have fun. But the problem is we will be discussing a situation, a moment in history that is sad for 76ers fans as May 12th was the one-year anniversary of Kawhi Leonard's Game 7 shot. But before we dive into that, D-Ray, how are you feeling today? Uh, I'm feeling good that it's no longer May 12th, but I'm a little sore right now. I've been working out, you know, kind of ramping it up lately. I'm, I'm getting stir-crazy in the house, and I, I think I pulled something. So. You pulled something. No, well, give me give me yeah. some exercises that you're doing. Are we doing curls for the girls? Are we doing some chest press? Or are you going to tell me? That you made a douchebag decision and started deadlifting, hang cleaning, and you went way too extreme. Oh, no, no. I ain't cleaning. Like, I've been doing like split squats and hamstring curls and shit, and this is just painful, hurts, man. It, yeah, it hurts my it. pride. It hurts my pride more than anything. Now, is this your first time really going and saying to yourself, I'm going to get back to that level of the gym? Or have you tried this before, failed, and then you're trying it again? No, no, no. This is my first time really going this hard. So that's why it really hurts my pride. But <laughs> I, I, I got to get through this, man. I, I can't let this be the end of the – I ain't going to say the end of the journey and sound like LeBron, corny ass. But the end of this, I, I got to get back to it. Yeah, you're, I said it. You're such an asshole. I, I don't even it. like working it. with you. I'm forced <laughs> to do it. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so let's get into this nonsense today. And It's weird because – when that happened, I was devastated. Mm-hmm. It hurt so bad. And I thought I would never want to see that play again. Put it away. Lock it up. I don't care to see it. But That's today, awesome. and even though it's one day and one day after the one-year anniversary, whatever, it's close mm-hmm. enough to say the one-year anniversary, I'm okay with it. I can easily see it. I can watch it. I don't feel the pain. Is that weird? No, no, no. I, I think it's one of those things that, if anything, you look at and it's like motivation. You know what I mean? Like, we really hope that we get past that point. Uh, I think it makes us excited for what could be. I'm not going to lie to you, though. I don't feel the same way. I hate how much it gets brought up. I remember one of my boys, Jewel Brown, on Twitter, he po- he posted it uh, again and was like, I feel like this is the only game winner ever in NBA history at this point. And it's like, that's how it feels. And I guess because it was the most recent exciting one, but, like, that's how that shit feels. It feels like the Jordan shot didn't happen. Bronze bank shot didn't happen. Kobe shots didn't happen. None of those shots happened. For some reason, the only game winner people remember is that fucking Kawhi shot. So it, it hurts a little bit for me. Well, here's the thing, though. We've seen how many Damian Lillard shots in the playoffs, and those happen all the time. I see them everywhere all the time. So I just feel because we are emotionally attached, you think that that's the only play that you see over and over again. I, I think that I think you're right. It's the emotional attachment, but it's the fact that that one didn't go straight in. For example, somebody put together this video of we were talking about Kanye last show. Oh, not last show, the show before last. Um, and what's the one? Beautiful morning on, on uh, Life of Pablo. Yes. So it's like, doom. Is that Father, doom, please doom, stretch doom. my hands? Father, stretch my yeah, hands. Yes, and yeah, they yeah, that's what it is. and they synced it up to the damn ball falling in. And then when the beat drops, the ball goes in, and they all celebrate. That shit hurts. Because they made it art. They they made it cool. And I think that's why it gets shown so much. It wasn't a clean buzzer beater. It was a... 
Well, I'm I'm a beauty of sportsman. I love mm-hmm. sports for the beauty of sports. And I had a conversation with one of my buddies about this when it comes to sports betting. Everybody loves sports betting, but it takes mm-hmm. away. And we might even talked about this too. It's a common yeah. combo I like to bring up. Sports betting takes away the beauty of March Madness. You're worried about the spread, but not how great it is to see a 14 seed actually win a basketball game. With yeah. that moment. It's so iconic that I'm at the point now where I appreciate it for what it is. I mean, that is going to go down in history when it comes to the sport of basketball. I don't know why I feel this way. I feel it is very out there and different compared to most Sixers fans, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm somewhat over it to an extent. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> like I said, like I said, I, I love it. I see what you're saying. I appreciate it as a basketball fan, but it's just, come on, y'all. Come on. Come on. It was one game. God damn it. Just let us. Just please put it away. Put it away. Well, we watched Michael Jordan go through the Bad Boy Pistons, or at least attempt mm-hmm. to go through the Bad Boy Pistons for a couple years. He had to keep battling through, battling through, and he eventually did that. This was brought up to me. With Joel Embiid, we saw him crying, hugging his girlfriend. We thought, after a couple days of realizing what occurred, that maybe this is a good thing. They would take the next step. They would bottle these emotions up and realize they got to work harder in the offseason. Then Joel Embiid played this year, and it didn't seem like he took that next step. Is that a is that true? Did it look that way? Did you see it differently? I mean, I'm, no. if I lay that out to you, this whole scenario, they will lose, it will be crushing, they will learn from it, they'll cry, they'll come out next year and be better. I would say that that did not happen. Yeah, no, I'm not going to lie, bro. I remember when that happened, obviously we talked about it, you know, um, before we got on, I'll let you jump into it, but Ben Simmons was obviously taking a lot of, he's taking a lot of criticism, both Joe and B with the whole crying thing. And, you know, then the next series, Giannis, uh, you know, he's crying, leaving the tunnel. And they was like, I can't imagine what these two are about to be on this summer to come back. I said several times on record last year, I think Joel B is going to use this to get in shape and realize how much more lethal he could be. They were right there. You know what I mean? And when you lose as a competitor and you were right there, you realize if I would have did just three things that, you know, I could have done better, get in shape, take more inside shots, you know, not have turnovers late in games, then we would have won by double digits, something like that. I thought he would have used that as fuel to come back with that type of energy. Did not happen. And I don't know what the hell happened. I really thought it was just going to be kicking ass for them to just come back. Kind of how we saw in that boys documentary when they lost against the Magic, and then the next year they have the best season ever. You know what I mean? Not saying they're the Bulls, just that shit was obvious fire. When they said Jordan was leaving the thing and they were like, all right, so let me know, you know, take a couple weeks off, Mike, and let me know when you want to get back in the gym. I'll see you tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like I was expecting that type of energy. I agree completely. Now, it is funny, though, because – there are people who are not patient with this Sixers team. It went from process, right, to let's win a championship. But those same people enjoy Michael Jordan's journey. They embrace what it meant to battle through the Pistons. And to me, that's just being a hypocrite. You can't love one and think that that's yeah. awesome because he's the greatest of all time. Yet when it happens to the Sixers, they got to win a championship right away. No, no, no. Not necessarily win a championship right away. And I'm with you. I'm with you. At the end of the day, in the middle of the process... Nobody likes to talk about how this is going to pay off in a couple of years. In 2013, those Sixers fans was, oh, man, I can't wait for five years down the line when this shit's over. You know what I mean? That wasn't the case. That wasn't the case at all. I'm not about to give anybody that type of pass. But you at least expected it to put a fire up under them, and that's what I didn't see. I did not see that either. I really didn't. Now, this is yeah. courtesy of Kevin Kincaid of Crossing Broad, and it gives a couple pointers of things that occurred in Game 7. 
And the Sixers started 0 of 9 from the field. They had 40 points at halftime. They shot 24 less shots than the Raptors. They got crushed on the glass and 15 turnovers. Now, does that mean the Sixers are that good that they can find a way to still be engaged in the game with all of those flaws? Or did the Raptors do a poor job of putting away the Sixers squad? Yeah, I think that sounds crazy to hear that how good that Raptors team were. At the end of the day, that was the championship team, and they couldn't deal with them. But like I said, as a Sixers team, y'all see, all right, we stunk that much. Imagine if we tightened up the ship here or there or there. If we did all three, we beat them by double digits. And that's what we were expecting them to come out like this year, and it just it just didn't happen. It was weird. Now, did that one shot? change the Sixers franchise for the worst possibly is there an Al Horford if they won that basketball game I'm not even saying they would win the title I'm not in the crowd of they would have automatically won but if they Mm -hmm. got to the Eastern Conference Finals Jimmy Butler has never been there if he experienced that with the Sixers is he more open to resign even though him and Brett Brown don't see eye to eye like did this one shot by Kawhi Leonard change the outcome of the Sixers organization for years to come Hell yeah. He said on J.J. Reddick's podcast, he said, you know, afterwards when he heard they were going through negotiations and then he heard somebody say, we're going to bring him back, but can you control Jim? That conversation doesn't happen if they win that game at all, at all. So that is kind of weird. I don't know. I don't know. But I think he would have still been a Sixers uniform for that. I don't know about J.J. Reddick, but I think he definitely still would have been a Sixers uniform if it wasn't for that. Well, J.J. Redick did say he had a conversation with Elton Brand previously, which sort of let him know where they were standing as if this was going to be his last run in a six-year uniform. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I don't think it changes his fate, but yeah, for Jimmy, probably. But Jimmy really did not like Brett Brown. So, you know, that conversation still could have happened. And even if that one specific one didn't occur where they asked if they can control him or not, There was enough there where I questioned how much Jimmy would value winning and being involved. Say they got to the NBA Finals and lost to the Warriors because Kevin Durant wouldn't have ran the same, you know, he wouldn't have ran the same way that he ran in that series against the Raptors. So I can't assume that he would have torn his Achilles. Why would I think that would happen? There's so much that can occur if the Sixers make the Finals. If the Sixers made the Finals and they did not win, Jimmy Butler, then what? Does he value that championship run over someone like Brett Brown if they don't see eye to eye? I mean, this bringing in Al Horford and and Josh Richardson, it could have been a totally different five-year window. Yeah, I think Jimmy is a bit of a wild card. When I I really think about it, at the end of the day, I feel like the team moves that he's made outside of the ones that were kind of forced have been, and he's expressed it before. It's kind of just, it is what it is. You know what I mean? I want to go where I want to play and, that's really it. So maybe it doesn't change it a ton, but I can't imagine him walking away from it. They get that close, and it's just, all right, let's run it back. You know what I mean? Let's run it back. Maybe only buys them a year, which, ironically enough, this shit would have happened. And then, you know, it wouldn't have mattered anyway. Maybe that buys them a year, but I don't see anybody. The only person I see crazy enough to win or get that close to winning and then leaving is Kawhi. That's it. He was the only outlaw enough to be like, this is perfect. This is a great situation. But I got all I got out of it. I'm getting out of here. I don't see Jimmy Butler doing that with the Sixers. Because you're right. I don't I don't see them winning. I could have seen if they had got to the finals, it would have been like that year the Lakers uh, played the Sixers in the finals with AI. And it's just maybe we sneak one in there. But if KD's not hurt, you've seen what happened when KD was healthy against the Raptors. 
And when he came back that game, he was doing all that skipping shit in the back hallway and then comes out and hits like his first nine points. Yeah, this is over. And then he tears his Achilles and then it becomes a game. So I think they would have got swept as well. But it's the butterfly effect. Right, right. It really is. And I wonder if Kawhi didn't win in Toronto, if he would have stayed there as if he had a mission. If winning the championship made him feel satisfied, then it was easier for him to leave. Yeah, I think it's one of those things. What more is there to be had here? Everybody's getting a year older. This isn't probably going to be. At the end of the day, I look at that Toronto team um, a lot like I look at that 2011 uh, Mavericks team. And they're not as bad. It wasn't as skewed, but in the sense of they were playing like that because they knew we got to make it happen now. Don't get me wrong. That's the beauty of having veterans and having them so locked in. Remember that 2011 Mavericks team that beat the Heat? Come on. Like, y'all serious? You you put them in any other year. That shit ain't happening. But they were all clicking on different on a different level. And they were like, if we don't get it now, it ain't happening. We kept getting here. We kept getting here. LeBron's not on this side. And we got Kawhi. Let's do it. Let me put you in a Raptors fan's perspective. So you are a huge diehard fan of the Toronto Raptors. You are guaranteed one championship with Kawhi. Or you lose that year in the finals, but you sign him for a five, six-year window, Mm. which now you have a bigger window and a bigger chance to win more than one. Or one is still good enough because you would have tied what you would have did anyway. I take the chip. You take the chip? I I take the chip. I tell you, any day, any day, because you don't—it's not guaranteed. That's what Jimmy Butler also spoke on. This shit ain't guaranteed. There's no knowing that this person's gonna come back, that everybody's gonna be healthy. That, yeah, I mean, like the damn Bulls that year after they went that three-peat, they was like, we going for four. And if you would have asked anybody if that team wouldn't have got four, it's crazy. If you'd asked anybody if the Warriors wouldn't have got another championship, it'd been crazy. An injury here, a locker room issue there. You know what I mean? A front office change here. Next thing you know, you're looking at a completely different team. I take that chip. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the safe way to say. But with Kawhi, it's a very reasonable thing to assume that you could possibly go to three or four finals. With someone like Kawhi, I feel like it's different than, say, just Paul George. If you told me Paul George leads the Sixers to the championship, but then you have a five-year window with him as the alternative, I feel differently. But with Kawhi, he is a player that can play at that level that you feel really confident that he will bring you to the finals. With a player like Paul George, it's, yeah, he's a nice player, but I don't feel that confident about it. Let me ask you this, because I feel like this person. As great as Kawhi was last year, as great as Kawhi has been his entire career, last year kind of solidified his place in basketball history. He, he took a step up, especially after that shot. As much as it hurts to say, it's going to go down as he made that shit on the Sixers. You know what I mean? Especially after that shot. But I feel as good as he was last year, it was, you know, oh, he's a good player. He's a great player. He's one of the best players in the league. And then after that shot and then leading them to the championship and winning finals MVP, it turns into this is next tier. I feel like we don't remember that before that championship. Kawhi was up there, but after that, it was like, yo, he just led a team to a championship. I think that kind of put him in that, I don't know, you know what I mean? You start talking about that 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 top-tier player last year kind of put him in that in that discussion. So I don't think that all those fans had that thought before they actually won. That's interesting. So you're saying before that championship, we would put Kawhi maybe in the same category as Paul George, and now that he won it, we look at him differently? He's a step up from Paul George, but I think that type, that championship and that shit put him in the conversation with the LeBrons and shit of the world. 
and maybe not in basketball history as a whole, but as far as the active players right now, yes. Because I remember like that was all you saw of ESPN. Has LeBron? I mean, has Kawhi crossed over? Is he in the Jordan conversation? Now that's when they start breaking down his game and the mid range. Obviously, we all seen the mid range and palming the ball and shit like that. But it was like after that championship, it was like, yo, he really just led this franchise. Now he led the franchise there without LeBron being in the Eastern Conference Finals. There's a, a million asterisks. History's gonna write it as they couldn't get there. They couldn't get there. He shows up. They get all the way there. They win, and then he dips. He he entered a different different stratosphere once they won. I can agree with that. Yeah, people have him on that. Before this season and watching LeBron play at, play at the high level that he did, because LeBron had such a poor season the year before and was dealing with injuries, it was automatically Kawhi Leonard is the best player in the league over an injured KD at that point and over okay. an injured LeBron. He jumped over all of them, which I feel as if maybe that's being in the moment and reacting to what yeah. is actually going on in that specific time. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. It was definitely... History is going to remember it one way, you know what I mean? History is going to be like, eh, you know what I mean? Like he was great, but they're obviously going to say, you know, but it, nobody's throwing him in the GOAT uh, discussion yet. Yeah, and imagine I mean, now if the, he wins three. I was about to say, now if he go, now let's say the Clippers come back and they win, which I would love. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Patrick Beverly, rooting, baby, are you kidding me? I was about to say, if I'm rooting for any team out West, it's the Clippers. And if they come back and they win, now it's looked at, all right, the common denominator Amongst the Spurs, <laughs> that damn Toronto team that kept hitting that wall, and them, the Clippers, is Kawhi Leonard. Now you, the conversation changes of, I don't know, this might be the guy. But LeBron is LeBron, and as much as I give him shit, you got to respect the consistency of what he's done. He's going to – I think I, – I, I'll say this now, bros, and you know I hate giving him his props sometimes. LeBron has a legitimate shot to be the leading scorer in NBA history. Top five assists. He has, the, he has the shot to be top five in damn near every category. And he is known as a facilitator, which is the craziest part about it. And, and people will argue that that's a longevity thing, not a talent thing, which blows my mind. It could be both, right? I mean, it could be both. Yeah. If I'm rooting for one team out in the West, it hates, it kills me because I hate the Lakers, but it would be LeBron winning the next ring because I want to see this argument continue to get closer. But I digress. We could sit here all day and do this. I love, by the way, how every episode, somehow, it's implemented that LeBron and MJ or Kobe gets brought up. Every episode, there's a little That's the hint. greatness of them. That's the greatness of them. That's the, that's the standard. You gotta, we got to measure everybody else to them. I give them shit, but you got to respect right? LeBron is, if LeBron gets one more ring, that conversation changes. He gets to that fifth, in my eyes, he's the greatest player of all time. Let's go. All right, let's, let's spin it back to Kawhi in the shot. Because uh, I know that there is a reaction to the play with two things in particular. And the first one, and I want to get your opinion on it, being someone who, who played the game, mm -hmm. was that, in your eyes, a travel? Yeah, but you talked about this before, and I, I can't not agree. You don't call it right then. You don't call that a travel then. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, shit. Jordan's shot on the on the Utah Jazz was a push off. I don't think anybody wants to acknowledge when he crossed the shit out of him. If you look at his left hand, it was on his hip, and he pushed him. You don't call that then, though. You don't mess up that moment. I love how you compared it to something. So the way that I compared it was in football when a wide receiver and a cornerback go against each other. If you wanted to look at every single play, 
Every play, you will find some sort of pass interference, whether it's a push-off, whether it's a hand check, whether it's pressing too hard or after a certain point, you put this hand on him. You will find it on every play. And, and yes, by the technicality of the rulebook in that situation, was it maybe a travel? Sure. I would never in a million years, one, complain about that. It wasn't a blatant Rams versus Saints situation where it was pass interference in the NFC Championship game. This wasn't even close to that. I would never want the refs in that spot to call a travel. Imagine if that happened on the other side if Joel Embiid hit a shot like that. The same people that were outraged now would then claim that that's ridiculous and you don't call that, that travel in that spot. No, thank you. Thank you. That was exactly what I was about to say. Put yourself in their shoes. If that happened to your team, would you be for it? Hell no. Hell no. Let them get away with it. It's, it's some of the beauty of sports. That's why, I mean, it makes for that what-if scenario. It makes for the argument. It, it kind of ups things. It shows that the refs are human, but you don't call the trap on that spot. That was, like you said, it was art. It was beautiful basketball. The way that shit was executed, the way it all came down. If a damn whistle goes off after that shot goes in, travel gets waved off. It's like, Ugh, it, it would be it would be brutal, and I personally believe that this is a little bit of a stretch. I I think the the crying about the travel is a stretch, in my opinion. I I really I, I don't think about it, and I don't think it should be even talked about. Yeah, and it's a it's a stretch for one thing, but also after you just ran off those stats, come on, you know what I mean? Yeah, you're gonna blame it all on the travel. What did you say they started off from? Oh, what was it? Missed oh, the first nine oh, shots. Yep, missed the first nine. Only had 40 points at halftime. 15 turnovers. Destroyed on the glass. 24 less shots. And and keep in mind, everyone crushes Brett Brown for Jimmy Butler's late possessions. And and to be fair, I think that that is reasonable. I think maybe they could have done better things late in the game. I'm not saying anyone gets a free pass here, but you know people like to dial in on the one two possessions late, but forget that there's how many minutes in each quarter. Exactly. Exactly. And that's a championship mentality. You don't start counting it at the, oh, it's the fourth quarter. We got to lock it in. It's the, no, that ball goes up. Now we're going to, every single play, every single possession matters. And to start off missing your first nine shots and, and, and have all those turnovers, you don't get to the end and then bitch about that. You should have been taking care of business in the beginning. So it, it's, it's, it's valuable. It's valuable if they would have used it. I don't like how it wasn't used. That is my problem with the Sixers. If that was used as fuel and that was used as listen. We really got to buckle down and get our shit together. We change one or two of these mistakes we win. We change three or four and we win by double digits. We change all of them. This isn't even a game. That should be motivation to get better. The fact that it didn't you know, happen this year, it's kind of hard to root for. The second thing that's always brought up is the defense on this play. You had Ben Simmons push Kawhi to his right, and then Joel Embiid kind of gets in there, and Joel Embiid gets the switch. He puts it up. I thought that they played that fine. I really did. I thought that that was a fine defensive play. Kawhi Leonard literally shot the ball over Joel B jumping vertically. It bounced off the rim four times and fell in. Don't tell yeah. me that that needed to be defended way better than that. He he was smothered. Yeah, yeah. So what the hell do people say outside? What, what, what could have went better? Well, they say that Ben Simmons should have stayed on him instead of Embiid going with the switch or... Joel B could have been closer. I mean, it's it's very nitpicky because they know what occurred. Can't we just acknowledge the fact that that was one of the craziest bounces in sports history? Yeah, come on. Like you said, four times and then it goes in. It hurts because we're Sixers fans. But if we were just, if you're just basketball fans and not talking about it, that is beautiful.
Right, it, and I related to Damian Lillard. Every time I watch a Damian Lillard three or a big-time shot in a playoff game and he looks at the camera with that epic picture, it gives me the goosebumps because we watch it as just sports fans, and we yeah. don't care about being on the other side. This yeah. is different, but I feel like that is you're, you're searching, you're looking, you're trying to reach and grab for something that's not there. Good yeah. offense beats good defense in basketball. Whether exactly. we like to admit it or not, sadly. <laughs> now, you add a little bit of the basketball gods in the mix, and yeah. you're screwed as a defender. Yeah, exactly. Now, in a different world, if that bounces around three, four times, somebody flies in, a Marcus off flies in and gets offensive rebound, yeah, now I'm pissed. Now I'm pissed. Now I got to look at that like, all right, that's bullshit. You know what I mean? Now I'm looking at the rough if you would call travel that when that happened. Come on. It bounced around. That's interesting that you would have looked at the ref and been pissed off about the travel. You know what I'm looking at? Who the fuck is boxing him out? out. Now, I'm surprised. Shame on you. I'm a little (laughs) disappointed in you. I'm not going to lie. Jay Wright would not be happy. (laughs) No, 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 no. What I'm saying is he wouldn't. He wouldn't. But what I'm saying is that led to that, that led to that, that led to that. And now I have a bit of a problem. But come on, man. The ball gets up there. He shoots it. The shit jumps around three or four times. At that point, it's in nobody's hand. Nobody control anything. Unless it was somebody in there with some type of super, you know, kinetic power, you know, powers or some shit like that controlling the ball. Or if, unless it was that, nobody had anything to do once that shot went up. But like I said, if he swoops in and gets offensive rebound, now it's... All right, let's let's take this back a step. Let's look at what really happened here. I am very disappointed in you. Very yeah. disappointed. Right now, I'm picturing you national championship game. Marcus Page is somehow going in for a <laughs> rebound, and here you are looking around, looking at the stands. So that's ooh, not, whoa, section two hundred two. Oh, the rebound. <laughs> you're not but everybody paying was attention, and then you're gonna every- blame you're gonna blame the ref for a ticky tack call that happened two minutes ago. Everybody at that point. Is- is in a completely different space. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If it's not if it's not a buzzer beater, it's all right. You're a little more on edge. So you're right. Somebody should have boxed out. But at that, it's it's harder for me to look at that. I look at it like this. That year, um, we played Iowa, and Temple had played Iowa the game before, and it came down to the last shot. Somebody throws up the last shot. This kid from Iowa shoves the shit. Look up this play. 2016 tournament in Brooklyn. The kid who got shoved was Obi. From Temple. I can't say his last name. I'm going to try. This kid from Iowa, Broads, I bullshit you not. Schoolyard pushes the shit out of this kid from Temple in the back. Shoves him under the basket, tips it in, game. As a Temple fan, oh, I'm like, I how did you that. miss that? I actually exactly. remember that play. So that's what I'm saying. If that game when the shot comes off and somebody grabs it and then it's a flurry, now it's kind of harder to be what the hell. Now you're kind of looking back three, four steps before that. But now you're kind of changing the scenario a bit. Now you're throwing in a Ram Saints situation where there was a blatant missed call going on, and I don't see the travel as a blatant missed call. I do. I do. It's just it's the end of the game. 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 It's a blatant it's a blatant miscall, but it's it's the very end of the game. I want to travel, not a foul. I guess, I guess it's different. The Rams same situation. You're talking about a pay. Okay, all right. You're right. It's different. It's it's physicality versus technicality. So you're right. You're right. The disappointment level. You know, we grew up on the streets playing ball, D Ray, all right? Hey, come on now. Would you call that at LA Fitness on a Tuesday night at seven o'clock with the guys you got off working eight hours a day? No, you wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't, but one of them would. 
You, it's always that one guy. It's always that one motherfucker at LA Fitness who does not get that call and is going to sit there and bitch about it. He'll grab the ball. He'll walk to the other end. And, no, it's all rock. It's all rock. We're not ending on that. All right. Now we got to defend better and whoop their ass just to beat them fairly. I'm so. picturing right now a short white dude with a sweatband and an arm sleeve with, with like old AI shoes with maybe not even high socks on. And he's got yeah. big ass baggy shorts that go way too far over the knee. That's what I'm picturing. <laughs> the guy who calls out the travel. You just described several people I'm good friends with who go to LA fitness and would be the guy who called it. Okay. Huh? Well, I'm onto something here, right? Shout out to Ev. He know who he, he know who he is. He know who he is. The question the questions, the big shorts. He only sits in the corner and shoot threes. You just described the shit out of him. <laughs> now, real quick before we move on. Mm-hmm. Are you uh, a high shorts guy? Or like where where do you sit on the fashion of the shorts? Yeah, I love the compressions. You gotta go compressions, but mm-hmm. I'm not I, I can't do the too high of the short, but yeah. yet you cannot go too long either. You got it right above the knee. I was about to say a, a little bit above the knee, a little bit above the knee. I, I can't go with the '70s look. The, the the your junk might fall out at any second. Look, that's just weird. That's just weird because the jerseys aren't built the same. You know what I mean? The jerseys aren't skin tight anymore, so that shit just you just look odd. But the the coming out and the I'm still stuck in 2002. My shorts are halfway pic- through my shin. Are you picturing the and one shorts like the yes. baggy baggy shorts yes. that are very like yes. wide? <laughs> exactly the halfway through my shins. The no, the, no, 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 no. Those are terrible. The, the shorts look like fucking uh, ship sails. No, I'm not for that at all. Right above the knee. I'm with you. That's awesome. All right, let, let, let's transition here to mm-hmm. to some of the stats that occurred in that game that stand out to me. Now, the first thing, and I remember this, is you know Greg Monroe barely touched the floor. I mean, literally barely touched the floor. You cannot take Joel Embiid off the floor. He played 45 minutes. So Greg Monroe has two minutes on this stat sheet, but I think it 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 um rounds up. You know, say it was a minute and 45 seconds, it rounds yeah. up to the two-minute mark. So I, I don't know officially what he did play, but it wasn't a lot. He was minus nine in, in two minutes. Jesus. As soon as Embiid touched the bench, they got destroyed. I mean, yeah. we're, we're talking about Greg Monroe in a playoff game on the road in game seven. Yeah, that's... And Damn. that's why they went out and got Al Horford. Because logically, they needed a player that can fill that void when Embiid hit the bench. And sadly, it hasn't really worked that way. But that was the logic behind it. Yeah, yeah, no, I completely get it. Also, I still stand by the fact that I feel like part of getting Al Horford was what is the one thing on the Celtics that we can acquire that really gives us hell? Al Horford, go and get him. So I think that was a two-part thing. But after hearing that stat, I got to agree. Yeah, no, we gotta we gotta have somebody that all right, if he takes a damn breather, if he gets out to get a sip of Gatorade, the game isn't gonna go to shit. And minus nine in two minutes, that sounds that's like hard to do almost. That might be your boy Evan. Oh, I didn't have to do that. I didn't <laughs> no, have to do that. No, 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 no. Ev, Ev got the chop. Ev got the chop. He's a sniper. He's a sniper. He's a sniper. <laughs> not when he I'm might, on he him. Might give, you might give up fifteen, but you're gonna get a good twelve out of him in three. So not, not when I'm on him. Exactly. <laughs> smothering this shit out we're, of him. We're going to do a one-on-one, me and Evan, live stream, Periscope. <laughs> I can't wait till he sees you this can shit. Be, you could be the ref. Nah, I, I want can't you wait first, though. He's, he's definitely going to be for it. He's definitely going to be for it. But no, 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 yeah, the Greg Monroe shit, that is, that's minus nine in, in, in less than two minutes. That's almost hard to do. Yeah, I don't I don't know. It really is. I mean, it's almost impossible. I, I it's almost know. like the other team saw him and was like, 
Well, I, I, if they didn't, then shame on them, and they shouldn't be playing exactly. in the NBA, right? I exactly. mean, all right. So the next thing that stands out to me is Kawhi Leonard scored forty-one points. He took thirty-nine shots. I mean, to say that the Sixers didn't make this guy work, he hit 15, uh, 16, 16 shots in 39 attempts. I thought that when you look at the series as a whole, I thought Brett Brown coached his ass off. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. It's only so much that could be put on him. You know what I mean? It's only so much that can be put on Brett Brown don't step out there on the floor. What coach draws up a scheme where people miss their first nine shots? That ain't on me as a damn coach. That's on y'all. You know what I mean? That's not on that. He, well, he did a good there job. There would be people to argue that if there was any coach in this world to do that, it would be Brett Brown because he's that bad of a coach. Hate, 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 <laughs> hate, hate, hate the fuck out of here. That <laughs> 39 <laughs> shots. That is obnoxious. Yeah. D-Ray, you ever take 39 shots in a game? Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. I ain't never played with somebody. What, what, what do you think would happen if you decided to do that against uh, Creighton? Yeah, yeah, you would see that I'm transferring the next game. <laughs> Hell no. And it wouldn't be my choice. 39 damn shots. But I think at that point with them, it was just we're living and dying by Kawhi. We've been here time and time again, and we haven't made it happen. So we're living and dying by Kawhi. But 39 shots, Jesus Christ. Well, I think the right job to do, you know, the, the, the best thing to do if you are the Raptors is to live and die with your superstar at yeah. that point. It's just interesting to see some of the other players. Like Serge Ibaka was plus 22 in 29 minutes with 17 points. He had eight boards and three assists, so he was definitely doing his Race job. Marcus Gasol played 45 minutes, and it wasn't about the points. It was about what he did to Joel Embiid. I mean, Embiid was just – Marcus Gasol is his father. Yeah, it, it's a shame, it but it, it's it's his, it's just reality. It hurts to admit, but I mean, bro, we said it before on here. That plus minus. If you're a bas, if you call yourself a basketball fan and you don't acknowledge what that plus minus does for a game, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Well, it's like, interesting because now that I'm trying to think about, it, normally Marcus Saul absolutely destroys him more, and B was plus ten. Marcus Saul was minus ten. Serge Ibaka did more damage. In the plus-minus category than Gasol. But normally, I mean, we watched Embiid literally score zero points on Marcus Gasol. Scored zero points. Yeah. Didn't score a damn bucket on Marcus Gasol in a full basketball game. I mean, there's something mentally going on between that matchup. I was about to say, to come to his defense, though, at the same time, it was like that part in the doc we were watching that Jordan missed all those shots. And they tried to blame it on uh, Gary Payton. I don't think you can go for Jordan and just say he has something on his mind, but no, at the same I, time, you got to acknowledge. that game, that might have been the game with that LeBradford Smith. Oh, yeah, LeBradford Smith. They said he came out. He, it was both of them. It was both of them. You can't put that all on just the defense. As an offensive player that great, if you go, if you have a donut from the field, you, you, you had a bad night. Great defense, but a bad night. It was a perfect storm. Well, for Kawhi's 39 shots, let's flip this around to Ben Simmons. And, and this... This hurts. I'm not going to lie. This is something that is unacceptable. It, it is re- it is so unacceptable to me. It, it almost blows my mind. We talk about how impossible being minus nine is in two minutes. In 42 minutes of basketball, your primary ball handler had five field goal attempts. I can't say shots with Ben Simmons. He had five field goal attempts and six free throws. Yeah, That is absolutely unacceptable yeah yeah and that's when everybody last summer was questioning is he aggressive enough primary ball handler what it, what was he the the third best scorer last year give or take yeah, not, one say, of the best i was about to say he was one of the best you know i'm saying I, I'm, I'm thinking about because at that point tobias was there 
Yeah, he, he might have been the third. But he wasn't implemented. Well, in terms of stats, I don't know where he fell, but we do realize that J.J. Redick was the go-to shooter that season with the dribble yeah. handoffs consistently. So J.J. Redick, I would say, was over Ben. Joel Embiid was over Ben. And, and at that point, probably Jimmy Butler. So maybe he was fourth. But but on this team, even if he was fifth, it's still, you know. Five is crazy. Right, Five is crazy. Right, it should be, right, 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 right. Yeah. You, can't, you can't defend that. You can't defend that at all. And unless he had – if it was like – it's one thing. It's like, oh, you had five attempts, but he had 13 assists, 11 rebounds. Now it's like, all right, we kind of get it. He wasn't looking to shoot. He was facilitating. But five attempts, and I'm pretty sure he didn't crack double digits in either one of those categories. He had 13 points, eight rebounds, five assists. He did have three blocks, but five personal fouls and – was a plus two. It's just not good enough. To put in comparison, yeah. James Ennis, who in his role, though, was to to shoot the basketball, so it, it is different, but in 14 minutes, he had four shots. Yeah. How can you up. even be on the same page and in the same category as James Ennis in a game when you played 30 more minutes? It It yeah. is so bad. It is so bad. And that's where the Ben Simmons hate really picked up because the playoff version of Ben Simmons needs to be at a complete opposite of what it was in Game 7. Now let me ask you. Let me let me ask you this. Do you think it's like a young LeBron in the sense of he's trying to make the right play, or do you think it's really just you don't show up? I think because I, I guess way back and forth between the two arguments. No, Some I, people say that he just gets there and just makes the right play. I think he is wired to make the right play. If it's the game on the line and the Sixers need to win, Michael Jordan would say, "I'm making that fucking shot." Ben Simmons and LeBron would say, I'm doing the best play available for my team. Whether that is me taking the shot, whether that's me finding an open player, whether it's me driving and getting fouled, even though Ben doesn't do that because his free throw shooting is bad. My point is they will do whatever is best in that situation for the team, while MJ and maybe Kevin Durant and some of these other players like, I'm taking that shot. I I want the shot. And I don't think one is wrong and one is right. I think people are obsessed with wanting to take the last shot. That doesn't mean that the other way is the bad option. But anyway... But with his skill set and the lack of the shooting and everybody knowing that, mm-hmm. I don't think he tries to just sit around, but because every team knows how to do it based off of the Celtics putting it on display and Brad Stevens putting it on display, it's almost as if he has his hands tied behind his back until he takes the next step in his career and starts shooting the ball. I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. you got to at least attempt you got to at least attempt. I'd rather be sitting here saying he shot like why? Yeah, he only had X amount of points, but he shot 40 of them, John. You know what I mean? As opposed to he only even tried five times. That's it's hard to defend. And five field goal attempts, none of those were legitimate shots. As if, here I go, I'm coming up the floor, I'm going to shoot a jump shot. You know, mm-hmm. it's going to the basket, it's a put back. I mean, he spent a lot of time in the dunker spot. Because yeah. with that offense, there wasn't much for him to do because they had him on lockdown. They knew what to do with them. They they were able to pretty much stop him from going downhill. And in the playoffs, you're going to stop players from going downhill. His best attribute isn't what is successful in the postseason. So there needs to be a development with him. Yeah, he has to. He has to. But the Ben Simmons has to shoot argument is getting know, old. It's, it, we it, all know he has to. It really is. It's getting so old. And it's funny you mentioned that. He's been here for how many years now? I mean, off the top of my head, three, four, four seasons or so maybe. I'm, I'm just spitballing. Mm-hmm. That conversation 
has probably been talked about for 7 billion hours on Philadelphia Sports Talk Radio. If you have nothing to talk about, there's no sports going on. You hit that on-air button and you say, oh, Ben Simmons can't shoot. The phone lines light up. You'll have four hours of nonstop radio. It will be passionate radio. You'll get one extreme to the other side and the people who love them and would never trade them, the people that despise them and this will never work. It, It is crazy on how powerful that conversation really is. Yeah, it's 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 the favorite. I'm trying to think of a. It's up there with the with Kobe have been as good without Shaq argument. It really is just something that you can't. It's it's almost it's bait. It's bait. You want to argue about some shit? You want to get into something? You want something? Hey, watch this. Watch this. You know what I mean? It's like yelling fire in a damn bar. Watch what's about to happen when I do this shit. So no, you're right. It's sparking everyone. But at the same time, I do see why it is a conversation that can be very passionate because this is something that the NBA has really never seen. They've seen guys who can't shoot very well, but to a Ben Simmons level, it's here we go. It's it's blowing my mind. It's blowing my mind. Johnson. But it's not the it same. It was a different though. game. It was a different game back then. I think that's what it is. You, you you're in an era where it's, it's almost like a shooting. Shoot. Steph Curry, Damian Lillard can hit a half court shot. So can Steph, but Dame, you can really see the prog- the progression. He can yeah. walk up to anywhere from like the logo and just rock it confidently. Yeah, yeah, it's it's changing. It's gonna be interesting to me. I, I don't know if if you know this. Um, a lot of teams, Sixers being one of them, they have a four point line now. Do you think we'll ever see a day where that shit's introduced because of the difficulty of that shot? They have a four-point line, what, in the Camden facility? In practice, yeah, they do. And a lot of NBA uh, practice facilities. What that tells me is line. they know something that we don't know, and it's coming. I mean, I know it's been discussed here and there where they do it. I, I think at some point, listen, there wasn't a three-point line, and right now we can't imagine this game without a three-point line. Yeah. So I think there yeah. will be a four-point line at it. Oh, my Lord, that changes so much strategy late in the games and Bro, all these I've plays. Bro, i seen that shit. I went when I, I had my workout. I was, what the hell is this? And he was like, that's the four point line. The big man might be actually not a part of basketball if they continue to do this, right? Or no, no, no. Why I think not? the big man's. I think the big man has. I think it changes ISO ball. It changes the shit out of some defense. If you have players who consistently, like a Dame, step over half and launch, that changes the shit out of a defensive scheme. That changes the shit out of a defensive scheme. So as a big man, you got to be able to work out a little more. You got to be able to ISO. Because that shot is so difficult, it's kind of hard to rank it as the same as a three-point shot. It's it's about 10 feet behind the three-point line. Uh, about eight or nine. Okay, that's still eight or nine, ten. Guess what? I'm making zero of those at <laughs> LA Fitness. I'll tell you that for free. Here's, here's what I think is the craziest part about that scenario. I'm thinking more of late in the games. Mm-hmm. Say there's two minutes left, one team hits a four-pointer. And then the team calls a timeout, and they draw up a play, and there's 1.30 left, and, and they knock down the threes. Now it's a one-point game. And, you know, just because the power of that four-pointer, you you can have two minutes and 20 seconds left and utilize these timeouts, and the strategy late in the games will completely change. Yeah. Obviously, I think fouls are called as much as they're called because of the the want to, to up the score. Same thing in the NFL. Everybody bits about the NFL. Nobody runs the ball anymore. Everybody passes. They're trying to get, you know, higher volume as far as the scores go. But a four-point shot, the idea of imagining with a four-point shot a game ending under 100 in the NBA is crazy. You know what I mean? Remember we talked about that. Like we some of the Jordan doc thing, and it's like they won that game 81 to 85. And it's what the fuck? You know what I mean? If you saw game 81 to 85 right now, it's like that was a fucking 
dogfight. You know what I mean? But back then it was like, no, that was a good game. That was a solid score. Nowadays you see scores at 120, 130. I think the average score of the NBA game is like 120 up. And I wonder if that does that change defense or does that just is it? Well, I know it'll change defense scheme wise, but I'm saying will it be 120, 130, 140 point games because the defense is bad or is it because the points are scored at a higher clip because they're worth more? You know, most people would say, well, that's because there's no defense. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that. But think about setting a screen up high, real high, going around the pick. And, you know, you got the pick and roll action. Here's the funny part. Now I'm picturing a pick and roll outside. You know, you, you do a pick and roll by the four-point line, and you can actually hit them rolling for a three-pointer, not even for going three to point. the rim. Exactly. That's what I thought. I was like, as a defender. Because I'm thinking about it. Like, I was obviously, like I said, I'm, I'm you know, finish around the rim, screener, rebounder. That Up was my down, job. down, vertical that, guy I was about to the say. D, You know what I mean? I exactly. see perfect. There's vertical. Vertical. And then I see the red blow in the whistle, and you're going there. <laughs> exactly. Like, that is crazy. But the idea that you could be rolling for threes at this point, or as a defender of a screen, you got to get out there and defend that. Imagine a hedge out at half court. What the fuck? Like, why are you hedging out here? But it's just, it, it really changes. When I saw that, I was, once they introduced that, and I can imagine somebody said the same thing with three-pointer. Once you introduce that, you are looking at a completely different game. Now, do they completely. change? I'm thinking of the corner threes. Like, do they change the the dimensions no, no, it, of the court, or it's just around the top of the keys? It rounds out. You know, like the three-point line goes out, and like you said, it rounds out to the threes. The yeah. four-point line just rounds out to the, to the sideline, so it just goes out. You know what I mean? So it's really not... It really is a matter of how far you are. It's not a. It's not a matter of obviously the corner ones are going to be a little bit closer, but it truly is a matter of no. You got to be out there to hit that shit. Wow. And I wonder if at some point, if that's the four point line, if you drill one from the other side of the half court line, why not just make that five at this point? No. That's disgusting. What do you no mean? We're playing. talking about adding a four point line right now, and you're screaming at me for the fifth. No, no, no. But what I'm saying is people are going to start, you know what I mean? They're going to pull Andrew Bynum, get a rebound, sure. and chuck the shit. No. Well, hold on. It's, I think, now that we're breaking this down, it should just be like a, a, a striped court. And listen, once you're past the four-point line, you got five, six, seven, eight, nine. So what the hell? Why not at this point? Just make it that, whatever. That is ridiculous. They should have one where if you're underneath your own basket, and you take that last shot only with the it's last shot. Winner. Doesn't even matter what the score is. You could be down seventy. You make that <laughs> shot, boom. Sudden death. Why not? What the hell at this point? Die. I just picture dodgeball when I heard that scenario. You launch more money in your basket. This is sudden death. You're going down the floor. As Ben Simmons, Tom Brady's the shit from the other end of the court. Get the hell yeah, out of here. Yeah, you would. Bro. You would make that your. T- See, now we're getting strategic, and we're we're starting oh, to think here. God. You would then probably draft a quarterback, sign a quarterback just for late game situations. <laughs> He'll be the th- the last guy on the bench. But hey, if you need that spot. There you have it. Drew Brees on the Sixers incoming. Basketball. No, I can't. At that point, I'm just watching soccer. That's no knock to soccer, but it's like I can't be a part of this shit anymore. It's terrible. What the hell just happened to our conversation? I don't know. It went off the it went off the rails. I think it's a but the four point shot. Let's <laughs> we're saying we're saying it first. The four point shot. My, I would love for us to look up in a couple of years and let's go back. Let's rewind the tape. We said this shit was coming because it was the same thing with the three-point shot. Everybody says, if Larry Bird had a three-point shot the entire career, you're looking at a different scoring chance. You know what I mean? It's It changes the dynamic of basketball. I th- think it's coming. 
I think it I is think too. I really do. If, if NBA teams are implementing that in practice, there's some sort of noise going on. They wouldn't just do that for fun, right? So exactly. there's obviously that, that conversation happening. So with that being said, well, I think this is a great time to end this. We were going on some sort of path there that I'm afraid to continue. Who knows where it would have landed, to be honest with you. And I don't even want to think about it. So, D-Ray, another great one in the books, my friend. Let's keep it going, bro. Absolutely. Going. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will see you next time.